hello, hello, and welcome to the recap of week 15 on another episode of Onside Punt. Six teams have been eliminated now, four have clinched the playoffs, and the rest are still technically in the fight. My name is Cat, and I'm joined by Homie. How you doing today, buddy? Oh, feels like deja vu, Kat. I feel like you already <laughs> asked me that, mate. I just got flashbacks. I don't know. Do you think we've already done this once before this morning and uh, someone forgot to press record? I don't know. I, I maybe, maybe we have recorded a whole episode, but I didn't press the big red button. And maybe we're doing this whole episode all over again, just for the listeners. Hopefully that doesn't increase the expectation. It's going to be better because, <laughs> I don't know, because we had a mixed bag this week, Cad. There was, <laughs> there was some blowouts. There was some sackings. There, yeah. was some, there was some close games, a little bit of overtime, but... You know, the drama, the narrative, the storylines, they continue with the teams not deciding who wants to make the playoffs yet. Absolutely. But there was one thing that started at the, the very beginning of the week in prime time on Thursday, 63 to 21. The Raiders buried the Chargers and not only took our remaining pride in this team, if there was any left, but knocked out their general manager, Tom Telesco. And as we've been calling for, Brandon Staley has officially been Fired. He wasn't the only one to go. Oh, uh, sorry. Crowd's, crowd's <laughs> loving that one. Oh, God. Oh, insensitive. Gosh. God. They took the GM with them as well. I don't know if you mentioned that because mm. I got distracted by the audience clapping. But it's like, it was an incredible game in terms of, I was watching it on the scores run up because I couldn't watch it live. And I, I got confused whether I was watching the cricket test or the NFL, the scores <laughs> were going up that quickly. And I thought, oh, we're going really good in the test here. Seven for <laughs> seven for 63, you beauty. But it's like, nah, that was the NFL score. And it, it opened up a can of worms, this one. Oof. Oh, for sure. So now we finally, we've been calling it for it for a while. We know it's been coming in. We didn't even know for sure that this would happen because the Chargers could have done this a little bit of a, you know, a few weeks ago. But now that he's fired, Brandon Staley is gone. How are you feeling as a Chargers fan? Are you happy? Well, I've been here before because I'm an Essendon supporter, so I know what it's like to be on the other side of the coach getting sacked. And <laughs> there is a little bit, there's always, I have this empathy for the coach. Like I, I can't not see them, like their, their dream job getting the humanity removed from them. Yeah. Like it's like I can't unsee that. So I have empathy for that, but in context of being a supporter and just give us a clean slate, give us a new start, give us something fresh because it hasn't been working and they haven't. You can't put up a performance like this in the NFL. Trust me there. Yeah, so. yeah, that's it. And the owner came through and said, "Look, the fans deserve better." And I feel like this call, as I said, could have been made a little bit earlier. And there is nothing left of this team. The Chargers have been stripped of everything else. I think a complete redo is what's what we need here. Giff Smith, the team's outside linebackers coach, is now the interim head coach, which is an interesting call. Well, so- it was... Uh, <laughs> uh, May rejected it, the offensive coach. Oh, Kellen Moore. Yeah, he was offered it. He said, no, thank you. I don't <laughs> want the interim coach. That tells you something, doesn't it? It does. So- and there's all those rumours about him who uh, they said he has been interviewing for head coach roles. Wait, that breaks the rules. Yes. There's offers going out there that 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 was interviews, and I think it was for the Bears or someone else, but it was potential that he was a a fan favourite to go there. So maybe we won't see him at the Chargers next year. Uh, The Chargers director of player personnel, he's the interim GM. Now, the GM has been fired. He's been there since 2013. They've still got the same issues that they hired him for. They hired him to fix some injuries, poor depth, Average performance, underachieving with the personnel they have. All still issues that they have now. He, might have, he must have good KPIs. He is, <laughs> if he's getting through that. For <laughs> 10 years. Review season review. Oh, oh yeah, that's so crazy. Nothing but consistent, the Chargers general managers. So we're hoping that we get a massive change up here. The Raiders earned their disruptor tag this week. I personally thank them as a Chargers fan for freeing us. We needed this. And uh, it's time to move on and, and look at the next year. How much did they enjoy it, though? The oh, oh, Max Crosby was shirtless up, smoking they? a cigar on the post-game show. Yeah, they were just enjoying every moment of trolling us. It was great. It was good. Uh, I you, can't begrudge them. But nah, you got to give it, it to them. It was a real smackdown. If you're a real Chargers fan, you'll thank 
the nearest Raiders fan that you can find. They've got it for you. But of course, homie, maybe most importantly of all, we got Scorigami on this one, 63 oh, to 21. Yes. Scorigami, baby. Which is, uh, what's exciting. that, three for the season? We're it's chalking them up. It's like three or four. Like it. Yeah, this is unbelievable season. When I introed it on the episode, I thought I was like, wow, what a rarity, but it just keeps yeah. happening. <laughs> <laughs> There's only so many that they can tick off. Uh, but you know what? We're moving on. Greater things. Chargers are in the draft. I think fifth in the draft at the moment. So, you know, it's an attractive place to play for a new coach. Hopefully we can see either Jim Harbaugh or maybe... Bill Belichick coming over next year. We'll keep an eye on that one, though, as we head over to the headliners. All right, homie, I just want to let you know we are we still recording. I just want to make you aware of that. It is well, still I was really nervous. I couldn't see the time going up, so I was like, oh, should I check in? But um, <laughs> I trust him. I trust him. I trust him. <laughs> Well, for the first time this morning, we're going to review the Lions versus Broncos. After scoring zero points in the first quarter, this game ramped up quickly to a 42-17 victory from the Lions over the Broncos. And, homie, I know you and I were both looking at this game as a bit of a yardstick. Broncos had wins against big teams not too long ago, but I'm feeling that spark's gone now. I'm not putting that on the Broncos what they've been able to produce in these last sort of five to six weeks, I, I think is is a credit to them, not a not a detriment to them. I think they've been building. They've obviously come up against a Lions team that have bounced, are bouncing back. I'm I'm really curious. I love the quote after the game, dangerous after dark for the Lions. Mm. And it's like four times prime time. You can't beat them on prime time. Four and zip. Uh, but ju- I think it's more of a contrast of the Broncos just meeting uh, that top level team mm-hmm. and that top level team playing as a top level team. So it's not, I don't think it's a reflection on the, where the Broncos are at. I think they've improved immensely. I just think it shows where they need to be next, next season, yeah. potentially, if Absol- they don't make the playoffs. Absolutely. They've come a long way from where they were at the bottom of the AFC West last year. New coaches come in, a very strict regiment change for them under Peyton. Speaking of Sean Payton being a little bit strict, a little bit harsh, he lost his cool completely at the officials when there was an offensive penalty. I believe it was an infraction of the neutral zone, as it's all fresh to our mind, (laughs) one of the more common penalties (laughs) these days. Um, And not only did Sean Payton lose it at the refs because he didn't think the call was fair, but he lost it at Russell Wilson. And I rewatched this play and I couldn't really understand why he was losing it at Russell. Maybe he called the snap too early. He didn't get his players set. But, I mean, he yelled at him point blank on the sideline, very visible, and it kind of seems like, raises the question to me, is Sean a big fan of his quarterback in Russell Wilson? Because I can't imagine too many coaches treating their star like that because Russell's the only one really holding this team together. I've, I always find it strange and off-putting when they do have that sort of like almost yelling at them like they're a, a child type scenario. Well, you yeah. shouldn't be your child either, but it's um, <laughs> you're right though. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I guess it does. That's you know, it doesn't look right in any scenario no. where you just where you're at someone. Well, well, again, it, this is a professional setting. There's no reason for him. I don't like that old school mentality where it's like do what I say. You know, like yeah. I've told you this, blah blah blah. It's like. Russell Wilson, for all accounts, is I love his post-match interviews. I think he's really professional. He's a slight weak cat on the socials, so as we've both gone for a little dive down there, but <laughs> that's no begrudge. He's harmless there. But it's like I think he's ultra professional. He understands the game. He doesn't need to be told. He, he can be talked to. He's like, yeah. I just find it really I don't like it. In such a like public setting as well. And as I said, like this this is Russell Wilson who's performing really well for this team above expectations uh, from early in the season. It's kind of I don't really understand what's going on there. Maybe they, they just don't get on well. Maybe there's two different vibes. I think from what we've seen in the socials, Russell is an interesting guy. <laughs> and then maybe in the locker room, him and uh, the kind of rigid Sean Payton aren't clicking, but Interesting one there. Look, the Lions, they played their best. Defense played excellently. The offense dominated. Goff threw five tutties. Gibbs ran an extra one in for good measure. Three of the touchdowns went to Sammy Laporta, and we're just stoked to see this talent actually recognized. And I keep running into this point in my head, homie, that all the best teams have great tight ends. Even the Ravens with Likely 
they can use their tight ends effectively. And I want it is, is the Lions starting this? They've got that TE option here. Well, we've seen them develop all aspects of their game this season. The thing I struggle the most with the Lions is the inconsistency when they drop a game that they shouldn't drop. Yeah. So it's like I expect this. I expect Sam Laporta to develop and get touchdowns and they have a threatening tight end and then they have a threatening run game and a strong defense. And then I expect Goff not to throw intercepts now, but there'll be a one game where they go away from all of that and you go, oh, what's this? Yeah. What is this Lions team? Is it, like, the, is it the next level of the Broncos? Because what you said about the Broncos was they're decent, but then they come against good teams and they struggle. Do the Lions then come up on another level than that? They're decent. But when they come up against great teams like the Ravens, like the Niners, like the Eagles. Well, that's the, I think that's the question I'm posing, Kat. It's like, are they in that top tier? You know, they're a great chance of locking up their division. Mm. I'm not sure. I think they're I think if potentially the, a win away. If the Seahawks lose to Philly, I believe the Lions can clinch a spot in the playoffs. That's one of the easier kind of more simple narratives. But yeah. as you know, it's okay, all tied so, together. So it's so good to watch. Which would be... I'm sure Lions fans are scared of even the idea that they're playing payoffs, but it's like, I just want to know where the Lions sit in the pecking order of that top echelon. Mm. You know, it's like, are they that can they produce a game like this against a top, a top tier team? Yeah. And remember, you know, when they go into the playoffs in the NFC, yes, there'll be teams under them, but the three teams above them are the Eagles, the 49ers and the Cowboys. They come into any matchup with them in the wild cards. We're in some trouble here with the Lions. So hopefully they get put in prime time, hey? Maybe they <laughs> dangerous oh, no, after dark. Oh, no, definitely <laughs> pencil them in if that happens. But uh, another team that were up in lights here, there was the Buffalo Bills and the Cowboys. Ooh, Probably yeah. one of the highlight games rolling into the weekend. It didn't deliver? Well, it depends what, how you viewed it, I guess. I think the, it, the, the result was very interesting. The game less so. So, luckily, the Cowboys had clinched a playoff berth before this game even started because they ended up getting smacked by the Bills, who put on a clinic here, Cad. 31 to 10 winners, but it wasn't the Josh Allen show. It actually was James Cook. Yeah. The running back. Wow. He carried for 179 yards off 25 carries. He basically dominated the Cowboys and he took every attack and. They really controlled time and possession as well. They really didn't. They jumped them early, and they did not give the Cowboys a look in here, Cad. They ended up scoring 31 points, racked up 351 yards of offense, and Allen was a bystander to all of it as he threw 90, 94 yards. I love him post-match. He was basically like, I was just out there just hanging out really just <laughs> I just loved it just just watching just having a good old time as the as James Cook lit it up uh, the cowboys on the other hand not don't look good on the road cat like no, this is there there is something wrong here and as we said in the preview show they were heavy favorites the bills they were heavy favorites and we thought why why everyone's talking about this cowboys offense unstoppable the cowboys defense one of the best in the league you just take them on the road one time and then get whacked by an AFC team that's been, I don't know, generally inconsistent, yes, trending up, but th- this blowout, I mean, shocking. Yeah, and it was like, and you sort of try to look at it, like, what were the factors? Okay, so weather, it was cold, it was miserable, it was raining. Yep. Bills preferred. They're at home. Bills prefer. But it, it shows to me that the Cowboys are a real front runner. They're happy to play at home. They're happy to run up 40 points. They're happy to blow teams up at their their home ground. From the win. But the big problem now is they're potentially not going to be number one in their div. They're sitting at the five seed. That means they could be on the road. And Mm. the Cowboys are currently seven and zero at home and three and four away. That really raises some questions for me, Kat. Yeah, it is a worry. It actually just takes me back to our preview show because we were sitting there talking about this game and we're like, Cowboys are going to choke. We just don't know when it's going to happen. And we weren't confident enough to put it in for this game, but we should have. These Cowboys, they always have holes in them. And it came back on me. You got what you asked for. These Cowboy Mm. fans are whining again, saying, don't worry about it. We're the best team. We're still the best team in the league. I guarantee 
50% of the press had this article written before it started. <laughs> <laughs> Just insert team name here. Insert yeah, it's like, this is, <laughs> it's like we all have the checklist of things the Cowboys have to knock off. And it was like, oh, okay, they're, they're knocking off a team under 500. Okay, they've done that once. <laughs> Okay, now they're on the road. Ah, you're, no, you're no good. You're no good. <laughs> well, it is a shock, but it's exciting to see that the Bills are coming through. They're still not even in the playoff race yet. They've got a lot more wild things to happen. Not only their own wins to get, but other teams need to lose, I think, for them to make it. So it's all up in the air here. And uh, every win, I think, just raises more questions for us as we dive through. All right, Cad, let's head into the roundup now. Who have you got kicking yourself? I've got the Bengals, who only just claimed a victory over the Minnesota Vikings, 27-24. to 24. From the first half, I was thinking early flag for the train wreck here because it was looking pretty rough, but they came back strong. Bengals tying it up 24-24 to 24 at the end of regulation. Going on to overtime, the Bengals knocked through a field goal to take the win. I really didn't think the Bengals were going to show up for this one, homie, but Jake Browning proved he can actually fight with the best of them. It was a super surprising outcome because obviously I, I was onto this game early. Vikings looked to have full control. They obviously had um, Mullins starting at quarterback. Jefferson was playing as well. They looked good in connection. Mm. And I feel like they were, they were running away with this game. And I don't, the Bengals were just able to kind of turn the momentum of this game. Yeah. Kind of on a with no real catalyst. No, it Jamar wasn't Chase like was this one big play or this person did it. I, th- I think that's why I kind of am more and more impressed with Jake Browning here because it's his newest test is how can you play from behind? How can you play in adversity? And you're right, there wasn't just one big play that changed it all for them or one player that did it. They just kind of grinded their way in and maybe the Vikings stopped their momentum here and uh, let the Bengals slip through. Well, they did. There was a pretty... Pretty bad intercept and that sort of, I think that always helps with momentum, but it's like, <laughs> yes. they just sort of, you know, it sort of turned and it was like, it was surprising. You thought the Vikings had this in the bag and it was just, it was quite an entertaining game in terms of just intrigue. Mm. It wasn't a really, it wasn't a spectacular game in terms of the plays, but it was, it was a really interesting two teams really trying to, trying to battle it out. But the Bengals, they keep showing us that they're, they still got a bit to offer in this season. Yeah, they are they are a warrior as well, and they're up above the the Bills right now in the kind of the playoff hunt. And I want to see both those teams in the playoffs because I really enjoy the personnel that are there. You know, Jake could be a great comeback story. He might kind of be the not the Purdy of this year because that might be too big a call. But he was, a, you know, this was a revenge game as he highlighted. He was cut from the Vikings in a, apparently a very rude way that he wasn't stoked with, and he's fighting back for this, and he he wants to show he's relevant in today's game. It was, a, it was an interesting story to pick that af- up after the game because he obviously, what did he yell out after the game? He, he yelled something like, they, You shouldn't have cut you me. You shouldn't have cut me. You, you know, and it was <laughs> like, Oh, I didn't know there was, I didn't know it was a revenge game. You could have told me earlier. So I would have been really engaged. But it's like a funny story, too, because what, what happened to me was they said, Oh, we'll talk about your contract. Go wait at the hotel. They never come and got him. No, no, he got stood up. <laughs> yeah, he got genuinely stood up and uh, he got a text from his manager saying, you, they're not coming, buddy. Yeah, You're yeah. done. <laughs> She's not coming. She's <laughs> not Vikings coming. She's not ghosted coming. poor Jake Browning. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, great to see you there. What have you got coming up for us next, homie? i got the Kansas City Chiefs versus the New England Patriots. Now, 27 to 17. Kansas City Chiefs win this game, but the Pats did not make it easy for the Chiefs. And we see the normal Chiefs now. Mistakes, errors, drops, (laughs) intercepts. When you say the normal Chiefs, I thought you meant the good ones from last year. No, no, we're still not seeing that one. And all the headlines, the headline should be Rasheed Rice. Uh, The young rookie is having an outstanding season. He had nine targets for 91 yards. He's putting himself in the contention for the Rookie of the Year chats. We also had um, Edwards Hilaire. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, yep. Yeah, so he ended up playing because Isaac Pacheco was injured. He had an outstanding game as well, racked up some big numbers. But unfortunately, the headlines are two again. It's Kelsey 
And it's Kadarius Tony. Big drops here. And Kelsey, uh, I was talking to you during this game, but Kelsey took a dive here. He'd missed a couple of catches. He was clearly frustrated. His girlfriend was in the crowd and he was a bit embarrassed by it all. Girlfriend. Girlfriend. <laughs> Travis and Taylor. No, anyway, so Kadarius Tony. <laughs> Kadarius Tony, I think, is, is again the headline error in this team because he had a bad drop and Mahomes again, you know, he kept his lips shut this time, but you could read it all on his face as he buried it into his hands on the sideline. Poor Kadarius, Tony. Like, he's another one I've got great empathy for. It's funny because they were talking about Kelsey after the game, like, oh, how lovely it was that he put his arm around Kadarius and walked off with him, like, having a chat. I'm thinking, no, he's just happy that Kadarius has taken the, the, the noise off him trust. because they were <laughs> they are two in arms at the moment. But it was like, I do have to note, you know, I said it. You can't, you can't beat the Chiefs three times. Yep. So we've got that one now. That, that's, <laughs> that's a new that's record. A <laughs> well done. Yep. So it's all good. So you can only beat them twice. But it's a, we've got a lot of. They've got the easier run of the bigger teams coming home. We've got they're nine in five now, and probably, you know, winnable games in this little stretch coming up, which will highlight in the preview show. But we need a gap for. Kadarius Tony to not be in the headlines because this team is feels like they're on the edge of crumbling in terms internally in terms of that and the media pressure is so high. Oh yeah, them. and and when what I kind of love during this moment is after Kadarius and throws a or drops a catch and Patrick's frustrated and it goes straight to the ads and it's an all state ad with Mahomes and Andy Reid and they're all laughing and having fun and I just <laughs> can't help but the, love the irony yeah and the contrast. Oh. <laughs> There's a dirty ad at the moment, actually. Oh, sorry to digress, but it says, and the Chargers win. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it hurts me so much inside. It kills me every time. I'd prefer to see that whopper whopper ad any day. But <laughs> moving it on to the Saints, the offense and defense put it together for an easy win over the Giants, 24 to 6, sadly ending Tommy Cutlet's three win streak. But I love seeing the Saints do what we've wanted to see them do all season. Led by Carr, he threw 218 yards for an 82% completion rate, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, his best performance of the year statistically. The run game was humming along. The defense shut down the Giants here. They couldn't get anything going. Tommy DeVito sacked seven times. Saquon Barkley got 14 yards on nine total carries. It's kind of raised the question of me, homie. Carr was playing out of his skin. He was playing excellently. And we saw the Saints hum. Do you think he's been the issue the past few weeks, well, this past season, really, in limiting the offense here? It's, I'm not sure that it, he's limited them, but he's been inconsistent. Factors injury. He's obviously struggled with concussion. I think it was the last week. We've had those little niggle injuries as well. He might not be influencing, but he might be our barometer. He might be the factor that we need to, he might be the person we need to understand if he's going to be up or about, or if he's going to be matched up well against the team to be able to get that output. I also see the Saints as well. Their defense in this game seemed to have a lot more energy, a lot more. Obviously they got their hands on old cutlets and they were enjoying the taste, (laughs) but it's like, it was, it was the first time I really saw them really driving that energy and giving their, giving them a seemingly all-rounded, it was a really rounded outcome here for the Saints. Yeah, I think so. And I, I hope we can see this more. They're still in the battle here. As I guess this is the first of three games we're going to cover for the NFC South. They're 7-7. Seven and seven. Why don't we move it over to the Bucks? Yeah, well, obviously they, um, they were heading to Tampa Bay. I mean, no, so they were heading to Lambeau Field. Yep, Wisconsin. Yep, Wisconsin. So... You don't want to head there in December because they have not, they have not lost since 2018 here, Cad. But no, 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 the Bucks are—they appear to be in their best form at the moment, and they were able to rack up their biggest win of this season, running out 34 to 20 winners. Our big boy Baker, Baker Mayfield. Woo. Oh dear, oh dear, he had a game to mention. So 381 yards and four touchdowns. He keeps showing us that connection with his players and that those wideouts, but it's also it's the carry after the catch as well. There yeah, yeah, was something I really noted with 
Tampa Bay at the moment. They're really getting the maximum out of every pass and every every play. Um, we also saw a massive game again by running back Rashad White. Again, they're offensively, they're so dangerous at the moment. They're really, really interesting team to watch, Kat. And currently lead their division. And this, as you said, Baker played an incredible game. It was that perfect passer rating, the one you referenced uh, maybe two weeks ago. We don't yeah. exactly know how it's calculated and what makes it perfect, but he is the only quarterback to get a perfect passer rating at Lambeau Field. And to do it in December, as you said, Tampa Bay, they're, they're coming through late. They were third only a few weeks ago. They're top of the div now. Saints are there. And then we've got those pesky little Falcons in third. Yeah, but let's not go to them yet. Let's have a little chat about Green Bay. Obviously now dropping to six and eight and seem to be on the slide, Cad. They're a team of rookies and the inconsistency seems to be highlighted again at this time of year. Where are they at? Where do you see them at? I see them falling right now. They only sit one game above the Bears. And as we said, it's they've been inconsistent, which is odd because, you know, you expect an up and down throughout the season, not in blocks that they've had it in. They had a great start then really rough mid-season. They've come back well in the late end, and now the wheels, as you said, just falling off this cart. I think they've lost their touch, maybe the momentum or the energy that they're in. They're still a team to be worried about, but I didn't see many glimpses of that dominating offense that we kind of have been enjoying when they beat the Chiefs. We saw It's been blocks with Green Bay this year, and I just feel like we're in another block now. And yeah. it's like, it's the wrong time to be in that block. They're a young team. I can't really see them getting out of this slide. Yeah, and like they're in a perfect place to can like they can attack here and they can actually get into the playoffs if they push hard enough to get over the Vikings here. But I don't think it's going to happen. Why don't we move? Good one on? to watch, though. Good one to watch. Great one to watch. Moving on to the matchup in the NFC South, over to the Falcons and the Panthers, who went to head to head, and the Panthers, homie. Won their second game of the season, nine to seven, which you'd assume is a scoreline from wins losses and not a scoreline of an actual game. It's certainly my train wreck of the week. Are you on board? Come on board, homie. Oh, I was on board the, the moment I turned the turned this game on. Looked into the stands and saw about seventy-two people total. <laughs> there was no one watching this game, Cad. It was, oh, I think it was dear. 42 cents US for a, to, a ticket to this game, the cheapest ticket to this game. It was raining and with it these two teams, miserable, it though. did look miserable. We would have been there in a poncho and a jumper, but God, you don't want to start your Monday with a game, an NFC matchup of Desmond Ritter and the Panthers in the middle of the rain. No one could get any passing game going. Completion rates just over 50%. 150 yards, give or take. Pretty boring watch, but I was really happy for Bryce Young. I feel he needed this one, homie. I'll mention for Bryce Young, I had this thought while I was watching it. So out of the cookie, uh, cookie, <laughs> out of the rookie quarterbacks, <laughs> he's the only one that's actually going to make it through the season. Yeah, he might be the only healthy one here. And ironically, yeah. is he still the most sacked quarterback in the league? Yeah, like I was saying, <laughs> the one thing they've found is he is durable, right? Like, good on him. And he had he had a good he had some nice little moments in this game. But let's focus on the Falcons because they're the ones we really want to talk about. Yeah, the big dropping question, the six and eight. Oof. Big question here is going to the end of the season. This is a division they're meant to be in contention for, and you know, meant to be winning. Desmond Ritter is the QB that they selected to go ahead with. Six and eight. He just lost to the worst team in their division and the league. Are we seeing Arthur Smith next year? Are we seeing Desmond Ritter next year? I I struggle to. I've been on this one for a while. I don't think I don't think they're coached well. This is a game set up for B. John Robertson. They could have just ran this game. They've got uh, Algier as well. Yeah, Tyler they just Algier ran this and Cordell Patterson. They've got a whole room yeah. of running backs. Yeah, they could have just lined all three of them up, not even put a quarterback out there, and they should have got this game done. They've got the Colts, the Bears, and the Saints to finish. Two of those are disruptors, and the Saints put a game together finally. So it's it's going to be interesting. I, I think it'll be decided in the offseason, but if they don't make playoffs, I think he's in big trouble. I'd have to agree with you there. And just a correction... Bryce Young isn't the most sacked quarterback. He's the second most with 50, oh, Howe, 51 sacks. And Sammy's still yeah, there with 59. Yeah, I forgot my boy Sammy. <laughs> yeah. Good on you, Sammy. Good on you, Sam. 
Representing on side part well. Quarterback, you beauty. <laughs>had a big game in the AFC matchups with the Jags versus Ravens. What happened in this one, Holmes? Well, it wasn't much to write home about as the Ravens really trumped. Trumpled? Trumpled. Trumped? Trampled? Trumpled. Trampled. That's Trumped. it. Got it. <laughs> Trumped. I think I've been watching too much American politics. So Trump's <laughs> the names in my brain. So 23 to 7. So the Ravens now officially become the first AFC team to make the playoffs. And yeah. Lamar Jackson used this platform to send out his audition tape to MVP player. Yeah. And he was dancing around these defenders like I've never seen before, Cad. It was insane how much time this guy had behind the line. And that was before he even started to dance and move and do all the tricks that Lamar can do. I think Chris Collinsworth again. When we watch on primetime, yes, it wasn't that exciting a game. But if he sees a good quarterback, that's all he's going to talk about for the entire game on commentary. I actually had to mute it because I was like, okay, he is really good, I get it. <laughs> no, I, was, I found myself in that magical moment of just watching Lamar just in his antics. It, it kind of felt like watching an Auskick game where it's just like <laughs> watching the kids running, chasing around, around a ball at moments. Yeah. yeah, it was just like, it was, quite, it was a weird game actually overall. Um, the Jags were unable to get into this game really and show us anything. Um, and it was, again, the loss has been doubled down by Trevor Lawrence is now apparently under concussion protocols. And it really opens up this AFC South battle. And it's, it's it might be a battle to survive here, Kate. It might be. And I think the issue is they've got the Colts who are 8-6 and six, and the Texans who are 8-6 and six, as the Jags are now 8-6 and six, without Trevor Lawrence going in forward. Can we see the Colts lead the AFC South? Because I think it's very possible. Yeah, they, then as we'll get on to next, they they both had really good wins, so they're gonna they've got that momentum coming. And Jags don't seem to have any momentum going forward. But let's stick with the let's stick with the Ravens for a little bit longer because obviously they're now officially the first AFC team in the playoffs. They should be brewing with confidence now, and it's like they got two big matchups, which will tell us how they're gonna look for the end of this season. They got the 49ers and the Dolphins coming up. Which I know we shouldn't look ahead, but I can't not look ahead. That is the two matchups. You've got it. I just need to know. Um, what do you think, though? Forty nine is Ravens. If you had to give a thought now, is it close? Do they win? Well, yeah, I, I feel it's close, but I, I've, I've got a two. I got a little bit concerned out of this game. Like running back Keaton Mitchell, he obviously oh. gruesome, gruesome knee. Not good. This not is good. One of the probably one of the worst injuries to watch, and I think we'd recommend you don't go look it up if you're squeamish. But if you you're interested in that kind of thing, I've not seen a leg move like that. Yeah, and then um, offensive tackle Ronnie Stanley, he's in concussion protocols as well. I just we know the Ravens' question over the last few seasons has been injuries, and they've been really healthy to this moment. I just don't want to see them hampered in any sort of way now. Because I want these matchups to be both teams at their best, and I worry if you go up against the 49ers with any sort of gap, they're gonna exploit it. Yeah, yeah, and I guess like you know, Lamar's just gotta stay healthy. We know he doesn't get sacked too often. It's there's knees I'm worried about while he's running around all damn day. Like you gotta, I wonder how much he actually, how many meters he can carry per game compared to anyone else in the yard. Because I put the put a pedometer on him. I reckon he's racking up some Ks behind the yard. Uh, oh, he has a great there. time. <laughs> if, you, if you've got to spare 10 minutes, spend some time just watching his O-line protect him. Mm. It is. It shows you how the big boys get to work. It's incredible as he's just running in behind their legs. It's unbelievable. I was watching that and thinking, like, where's these holding calls? Like, I couldn't see any holding. But the fact no. that they had them protected for so long and had Lamar with so much space, you thought, God, how is the no flags coming down on this O-line? So impressive. So impressive. But we're moving on to the Titans versus the Texans. And the Texans rallied against the Titans 19-16. to 16. We thought the Texans were done, homie. We thought Stroud's out, Tank Dell's out, Nico Collins is out. But Case Keenum came to play. But I've got to give it to Devin Singletary. 121 rushing yards and 49 receiving yards. He can still unlock for this Texans team. Oh, big shout out to the veteran uh, running backs this week because they really lit it up. And uh, the W was pretty much put on the shoulders of Singletary and then ran through because it was 
They had no rights to win this game, Cad. No, no rights the at all. The Titans just let this slip. They had the game in control, leading it all the way up until the final minutes. Texans collected a last effort touchdown, tied the game. In overtime, they ended with a 54-yard field goal to take it all. I didn't love watching this game. I thought it was a, a bit harsh and a bit brutal. And I wanted Mayo Boy to, to win this one because he's still so physical and putting his body on the line. And you hear the commentators go, you know, Will Levis, they're trying not to get him to run so much. The coaches have asked him not to run so much because he's going to get injured and he's doing some dangerous jumps and leaps and tackles. And about the third or fourth quarter, you see Will Levis hit the deck for a little bit. And you go, well, they told you. <laughs> Don't do yeah, this. Yeah, they're not going to tie that Mustang down. He, is, <laughs> he gets out and about, doesn't he? He's he kind of giving a, me that, uh, as we talk about, that Sam Howell energy where it's just like chaos. But Will yeah. just, he gets back up. He's a hard boy. It showed me, though, that Tennessee couldn't muscle their way out of this game. Like the way they've got their wins over the last few weeks has been to muscle through. And it was like uh, the Texans, yeah, we, we realised that their offence we put it on the fact the offense was not going to be there, mm. but we forgot that they've really developed a strong defense and they really put them in this game the whole time. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a tough one. And I think the Titans wanted to, they should have got this game. They would have expected to win this game. We all did. The odds did. Kind of raises the questions to me that Mike Rabel has kind of had a few seasons now. They fired their GM last year for the reason of underperforming doing not too bad in this grand scheme of things, but just missing out on the playoffs each year or just getting in and not being effectual. That system and that that has that result has existed once again. Do you think Mike is on any alert for a postseason firing or jumping on the coaching carousel? Oh, it's getting pretty full, the carousel, but he's definitely a, he's, he's potentially buying a ticket with the, you know, they're eliminated now and he's got three weeks, they've got three weeks to review everything that's happened in this season. So... I don't think it's a place you want to be. I think they really struggled to give me an identity. Um, mm. We saw Derrick Henry go, what did he do? 20 carries for under 15 yards. Yeah. Like, I think that Nothing broke some there. the wrong records, that one. It was like un, <laughs> unseen before. But it, it's just a team that I have no identity. Is it is it the personnel that they've drafted? Who does that fall on? Is that a coaching issue potentially? Yeah, is it? A, or is he just not getting manager? enough out of the list? It's... There is questions to be answered for this team, but I think they're going to have to answer them in the offseason. That's it. And it comes down to the draft for this team now. As you said, they are eliminated. But let's move it on to the Colts and the Steelers, homie. Oh, well, this one got off to a Steelers strong start. We got an opening drive that looked impressive. All the connections, all the players we liked from the Steelers. Then a block punt. Beautiful. Picked up. 13-0. We're leading. That's as good as it got for the Steelers in this game. <laughs> they <Kat>. stopped <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, and it was it was a really, you don't in games you don't always see momentum switch, but this was a game where you could definitively see the momentum switch to the Colts. They were able to shift the momentum. They got into this game, and despite having some injury concerns with Zach Moss and Pitt, Pittman, Michael Pittman, they yeah. were able to. I'll start that little sentence again. And despite some injuries to Zach Moss and then a scary moment to Pittman, who was uh, hitting a vulnerable position, making a catch cad. I don't know if you caught that one in the game, but it was it was pretty horrendous, that one. It was a brutal game, and the, uh, the defender who laid that hit on is now being suspended for the rest of the season. So they're taking this one pretty seriously. Yeah, and uh, check it out. It's not a it's not a really good visual, but it shows you what you should not do in those <laughs> vulnerable moments. But uh, the Colts here, Minshaw, he was able to connect with the other players. We saw some touchdowns by some unregular players that we have not seen before. But the Colts again, they show us their their ability to get through diversity and the ability to keep putting points up even when you know everything's not available to them. They run out this game thirty to thirteen. I really think this is this is the Colts team we've grown to expect to play this season, Cad, and they're exciting coming into the finals. They really are, and as we said earlier, I think they're a dangerous weapon and they can come in and, and disrupt in the AFC, not only in the regular season, but in the playoffs as they've been doing all season. So I'm excited to see that. But, homie, I just kind of thought of something when we're looking at this. Mike Tomlin has that record we've spoken about ages ago, that he is 
got 16 seasons of a winning record for his team. 16 seasons consecutively since he's taken over from the Steelers. This year, they're currently 7-7. Seven and seven. They versed the Bengals, the Seahawks, and the Ravens. This might be the first season in 16 years that he won't have a winning season. Ooh. Yeah, and I don't think anything's going to happen to Tomlin. There's no doubt in my mind that they're, they're loyalists at the Steelers, except for their offensive coordinator <laughs> to Matt Canada. But uh, just something to keep an eye on because that is a big change for this Yeah, team. I like that. Let's keep an eye on that one. That could be very interesting. <laughs> All right, moving it on to the Rams, who resisted the commanders who fought back late in the game to win 28-20 to and elevate themselves into eligibility for the wildcard rounds if the season ended today. They would be going through. They're 7-7 now, homie. Stafford and Cup, Williams, you know, Kyron Williams out of nowhere, and K- Puka Nakua out of nowhere this season. They're not slowing down anytime soon. They've got the Saints coming up next, the Giants, and then the Niners in the last week. Are they the biggest and most dangerous disruptor in the NFC? You would have to think so. Like it, They look so attractive when they're up and about. Cooper Cup, you know. Amazing. Nakua, like they've just been able to, and it's like their running game is really strong. It wasn't highlighted in this game. It was no. probably missing element for this one, but they, they didn't need it. No. So what's the matter? So it's just like they are good watching and fun, and they could probably, they can put up points against any team. If they get the right matchup, I don't know where the road leads them, but we could be looking at them against 49ers in a, in a massive end of the year game right on the edge could there. Be a so it could be yeah. yeah, I just want to see that it's going to be a highlight reel, hopefully. Hopefully the yeah, Rams get something so going. Yeah, it'll be so good. Just them just launching all day, all day. Well, speaking, of, the belt. speaking of the 49ers. Oh, it, <laughs> they lit this one up. It was uh, a real high-scoring game against the Cardinals here. So it was 45 to 29, Kat. This is a, it was an interesting one to watch because obviously we're seeing the Cardinals stay in the game for quite a bit. And we thought, oh, what's happening here? We Are we going to see an upset? No, no, no. I no. really thought that. I was like, oh, there's been a lot of weird scores this week. Maybe the Cardinals come and disrupt the 49ers. Nah, but the, the normal crew turns up. Purdy, he throws her another game with an, a passer rating over 100. Debo and McCaffrey scoring touchdowns and getting big yards. It's their normal crew, and they roll on with this win to be the divisional title for the 12th consecutive time, Cad. So they guarantee themselves a spot in the in the playoffs, but now they're probably turning their eyes to being the one seed. That's probably where their yeah. real target is. So they've got the Ravens, Commanders, and Rams to finish this season, and it will be very, very interesting, very interesting. to see interesting. how they go. Oh, I'm excited. God, the 49ers, this is your window. This is your window. Everyone's called it early. Got to get I will, it I will take something out of this game, but obviously you're thinking, oh, how do the Commanders... I mean, how did the Cardinals put up 29 points? And it's like, well, they didn't play two of their defensive tackles. Arik Armstead and Javon Hargrave were sitting this one out. And they were gashed for 234 yards on the ground by the Cardinals. <laughs> so I don't think they're really concentrating too hard. So they better be a bit careful coming into this end of the year. Yeah, but they want that one seed. <laughs> Got to be watching yeah. it out there for the run game. All right, moving it on. The Jets are back, homie, and I mean back to their old ways after they upset the Texans 30-6 to last week and shocked us. They lose this week 32-0. The donut was struck the by donut. the Jets. Dirty, dirty game. The Dolphins handled this game effortlessly without Tyreek Hill and it pushed the thought into everyone's mind is how damn good is Jalen Waddle? Being wide receiver one, like, he can play, hey? We highlighted last week what the team looked like without Tyreek Hill, but this week shows this, isn't it? No, no, you're fine. You got yeah, There's still speed you know, on this team. <laughs> yeah, you are all good. And uh, It was 142 yards of eight receptions. That's nuts, isn't it? Isn't that insane? I like, had to double-check that stat because it just looked crazy to me, but no doubt, let's credit Tua as well. He had some big passes and completed 21 of 24, which is 87%. It's a damn good passer rating. But the Jets sadly lost Zach Wilson to a concussion before halftime after he was sacked four or 15 dropbacks and uh, he might be out for the rest of the season if he doesn't come good. Where does this put the Jets? They must be very close to being eliminated now. Well, homie, um, actually wanted to say a few things about that. Oh, the Jets. 
You invited us on board with the promise of first-class service. Aaron Rodgers would captain this new and improved jet, built with the leftover parts you found in Green Bay. As we settled into our seats and took off, our champagne quickly turned to vinegar, as the co-pilot announced that he, Captain Zach Wilson, would be taking it from here. Many reached for the parachutes, but it was too late. We'd have to see where this flight would take us. With our destination previously set for Vegas arriving in February, we hit turbulence and slowly fell into a nosedive, forcing an emergency landing in Miami. Turns out when the co-pilot couldn't land this plane, the cabin crew Tim Boyle couldn't land it either. It's been a rough season, Jets, but thank you for the journey. You can collect your fragile quarterbacks from Carousel 4 before leaving the terminal. season of what could have been hey? <laughs> I've never seen oh. it go from such hype to nothing it's just like think of right? Hard Knocks remember think all the way back yes. watching it Hard Knocks it's such a, it feels so foreign to even think back to then and so there was a lifetime ago for us where uh, <laughs> the only benefit is I assume this will save Aaron Rodgers from thinking he's going to come back this year oh, just and, don't uh, even try it Aaron but you know yeah, Aaron he, doesn't he do be, what what people think he will he just wants to be yeah, a but yeah it's all right mate you've got no chance let's say yeah <laughs> oh unbelievable Good oh. God, God. i do like that so much keep them coming keep all them right coming. let's move it oh. on last game of the week Colby. yeah let me finish it with the the browns versus the bears here now mm. the bears look to have full control of this game cad as uh three flacco intercepts had them leading 17 to 7 and heading into the fourth quarter. It looked like it was done and dusted, but I'll just I'll give you the mentality of a quarterback here as Joe Flacco described what it feels like to throw three intercepts. Part of us just wanted part of me just wanted to crawl up into a hole. Which I've heard <laughs> I've You've said verbatim on this show before. That yeah, guy wants I was to like, crawl oh, it is what they think. I was like, that's so good to hear, but <laughs> But he's a veteran of the game and he knows what he needs to do. So he crawled back up and he kept going, which is a, which is an amazing skill when you think about it. The ability to keep throwing when when you shouldn't. Like it's like it's like you've been burnt before. It's like yeah. to keep in that moment. So his connections with David Njoku and um, Cooper, they both Amari Cooper, they both went, ended up going for over a hundred yards each, which is amazing. I can't think it's the first time that Browns have done that in a long time. Maybe. If, three or four seasons, but they ended up being able to get in front. They creeped in front and got in front 20 to 17, but the game is not ended here, Cad. We've got a Hail Mary to come, Cad. <laughs> the last effort chance from the Bears to get this touchdown and claim the win. So Justin Fields puts it in the air, heads into the end zone. I'll let David and Joker describe what everyone's thinking at this moment. I damn near shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> the ball. <laughs> Let me try to describe it to you please, again. What please, happened? Run, run everyone through it for who hasn't seen this. Okay, so it's give give it an idea. Of, it's like an AF. I'll give it more like an AFL describer. So it's like a pack is formed. The ball is bobbled off the hands, and you're like, wait a minute. There's a Bears player sitting in the front of this pack. <laughs> He's about to clean this up. No, he starts falling back. Tickle, tickle off the fingers. And then he kicks it. Right up into <laughs> the air. Into the air. And you think, where's this going? Someone's caught this. Oh, no, it's a Brown players. Yep. He ran. He runs around for a little bit, then remembers he's just got to hit the crown to win. They win. Everyone just takes a moment of reflection. It was a crazy I've finish. I've watched that in replay about five times after it happened because there were so many opportunities for this to get caught. And we all love a Hail Mary. And I was watching... Yeah watching this game and just thinking, come on, yeah, do it, do it, Bears. Disrupt this game because Joe Flacco, after throwing three intercepts, he needs to know the consequences of his actions. But, wow, <laughs> they got it done. He has not learned because they got away with the win, and that's the season they've had so far, the Browns. They continue, despite the injuries, despite the diversity. Despite they can chalk up a quarterbacks. win. They're 9-5. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. It's hard to think that they can be 9-5. and five. It does get me thinking because I've been watching this Hail Marys for a while now, Cad, and like AFL background, get front and center. I don't know what they're doing. Just, yeah. he, he didn't need to fall back. You could have just stood there. 
you get any small forward from the AFL right now and they could run through that, pick that up with one hand, that would have been no problem at all. Front and centre, but it's... Are Speckies legal in, in terms of NFL rules? I've actually been wondering this. I'm, it's one I'm waiting to find out. I think it would be pass interference, but uh, <laughs> I do I do would love to see the hanger. That'd but, be great. Uh, what if you spec you off your own player? Just set, what, set up your boy. So, but I don't know. Surely the Australians are sitting in the locker room telling them, yeah. I've, got, I've got something Get for you. Get the punters out there. Get Mitch yeah. Wish or, or Dicko. I reckon, I, reckon, I reckon Mitch could front and centre off yeah. a Hail Mary. He'll pick it up. <laughs> he'd, he'd easily get it done. But... Uh, the Browns, let's stay with them. They keep, they keep rolling. Weirdest season you've got to see. And then they're still giving them a really strong plan, a chance of playing the playoffs. But I don't yeah. know what team will get in the playoffs because they've got injuries on top of injuries. Bengals are chasing them in the AFC North. And there's a lot of teams in contention in the AFC here because the Browns are at 9-5. and five. Bengals and the entire AFC South pretty much are all 8-6, and six, as well as the Bills there. It's tight. Anyone could reach the top here. But that's the end of week 15. We move on to week 16, Holmie, and we've got a very special Christmas episode coming up this week. Oh, yes. Get the Christmas out here. Get the eggnog and the ham. Yep. I okay. still haven't learned any other things since our second recording egg, of this episode. Eggnog and ham is the only two things you can think about for and Christmas. And I've never had eggnog, so I don't know why <laughs> I said either, it. actually. Yeah. Maybe, Maybe we we'll to have to that. get one for the show, eh? <laughs> Well, we'll be going through all of the Christmas matchups. There are games on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, New Year's Day. We will be recording all the way through, of course, spending time with our separate families before we record the show. So don't forget, on your road trips, on your drives home, have a look. We'll have an episode there for you. Yeah, we'll get you covered through this period. No fights in the car with Holmie and Cat on the radio. You'll be fine. We'll <laughs> be good to go. Well, homie, I believe actually there was one thing before we left. You saw, you know, there's there's oh. a bit of a cost to speaking yes. out against the refs. Yes, I know. I know everyone was thinking after we spoke about it last week. What would it cost me if I spoke out about the refs in the NFL? Well, if you're a coach, that's a hundred grand. <laughs> Andy Reid, that's yours. And if you're a player, Pat Mahomes, that's fifty grand. Oh, so, they're on the naughty list, that's for sure. Uh, that is a that is a lovely little bonus Christmas bonus there for someone. Hopefully it goes to charity. We want to check, but it shouldn't go to charity. It better go to charity. Better it shouldn't go to the refs. You. Let's be honest. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> All right, Howie. Let's wrap this episode up. Thank you for listening to this episode of Onside Punt. Remember, whether you're a diehard fan or just getting started on your NFL journey, we've got you covered. Remember to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at OnsidePunt and the TikToks if you've got it. Thanks, Cad. Thanks, mate. Second time's a charm. Second time's a charm. <laughs>